Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you've found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Alan Smith, along with Donna Smith. This is Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, and we appreciate you tuning in this evening. Tonight's show is Carrier Student Truck Lease Scheme Class Action Lawsuit, and as you can tell from the title of the show, we'll be talking about the well-known motor carrier lease purchase truck opportunities that have uh, actually, in reality, run many drivers' lives financially. A, um, in fact, a few years ago, I did a survey uh, I believe it was 2011, uh, over an approximate 15-month uh, period, and through information and answers that I received by 3,611 people that responded to the survey, 72% of those felt that the uh, these lease purchase programs were, uh, quite frankly, a scam. So recently, on uh, January 31st, 2017, just this year, Utah U.S. District Court Judge Robert J. Shelby granted certification to a nationwide class of truck drivers who are alleging fraud and other statutory claims against CR England. And the court issued this favorable ruling for truck drivers certifying a class action in the CR England student driver truck lease lawsuit. And truck drivers, uh, they are alleging claims of fraud, false advertising, and company unjust enrichment. Uh, against this motor carrier. So the plaintiffs, Charles Roberts and Kenneth McKay, they drove for CR England as independent contractors and leased trucks from uh, Horizon in 2009. They allege that the uh, defendants developed a fraudulent plan to induce thousands of people to enroll in, in their driver training school by promising uh, these students the choice of eventual employment either as a company driver or the ability to earn a desirable income driving as an independent contractor for them. So these truckers claimed, however, that the company driver positions were largely unavailable and leaving the enticing option to lease a truck from England and become independent contract drivers. So uh, for a lot of professional drivers, this was a step towards a, a huge victory against a practice which has been considered at best unethical and at worst, a deceitful contract designed for driver failure and company profit. I've talked uh, over the last, uh, oh, man, how long we've been going, Donna, 15, 16 years. I guess I released the Truth About Trucking ebook in 2000, right? Right, right. And uh, I had primarily the, the reason for, that, for launching the Truth About Trucking network had a lot to do with these truck leasing scams. So tonight our guest will be the attorney who is leading the case against 
uh, C.R. England and represents thousands of drivers in this class action lawsuit. Rob Bolter of Bolter Law is a State Bar of California Board Certified Specialist in Franchise Law and Distribution Law, and he is active in the business and professional communities and dedicates himself to representing small businesses, franchisees, distributors, and uh, employees, investors, truckers, and consumers, and he lit litigates uh, many types of cases, including breach of contracts, securities and securities fraud, civil racketeering, labor law, wage and hour law, uh, franchise law, employment discrimination, wrongful termination, trademark and trade secret infringement, restrictive covenants, broker and finder fee cases, interference with contract and trade libel. So Mr. Bolter will be giving us a quick tour of the CR England case and the causes of action that were certified, giving us an idea of where the bones are buried, so to speak, in this uh, in these lease programs. And we'll also be discussing the reasons so many drivers get lured into similar lease purchases and why they fail. So, hey, we'll be right back with our guest, Attorney Rob Bolter, to discuss the CR England case as well as more on these uh, company truck leasing programs right after this break. So a lot of information this evening. Hang with us. And it's all coming up on Ask the Trucker Live. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. Yes, and Rob, hey, I appreciate you uh, spending some of your Saturday with us. Uh, thanks, thanks for being here. This is a very, uh, very important topic here. I agree. Thank you very much, Alan, for the and Donna for the invitation. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, to uh, shed some light on our case that may be of interest to some of your listeners, and also to answer any questions that come up uh, over the uh, over the course that I'm time the time that I'm here. Well, we really appreciate it. You know, this thing, uh, 
these motor carrier truck leasing things, I mean, it's, it's been one of my biggest pet peeves and one of the main reasons I kind of got it out there in 2000. I mean, a lot of the veteran drivers know about it. They were, you know, they're always talking about it among themselves, but there wasn't anything really getting out there. It's, it's, it's getting to be, you know, understood a little bit more, but there's still so many people, especially the newcomers trying to get into the industry that just don't know anything about these and you know I I uh, I kind of I, I really enjoy having someone other than myself to discuss these topics. What before we really get into the nitty gritty here? What I, I noticed? Let me ask you this because I've got it right in front of me. I noticed reading through the uh, the what is this thing here? The uh, this is the one that the document that was filed with the courts and everything. The memorandum. The, yeah, the memorandum. I noticed. Class certification comes up a lot, that term. Uh, mm -hmm. Just real, real quick, what, what is that referring to? Well, class certification is the uh, essentially where you ask the court for permission to proceed as a class action. So in the uh, federal uh, system of litigation and in many states, uh, one person, depending upon the circumstances, uh, can represent a group of people who are uh, similarly situated uh, in connection with a particular type of legal claim, whether it's a fraud claim or an unfair practices claim or an antitrust claim or a breach of contract claim. Uh, if you are uh, in a similar situation uh, to others uh, and you meet various standards that are prescribed under the, the applicable rules, then you can represent as an individual those other persons. The other persons will get notice and they'll have an opportunity to uh, agree uh, what's called opt, uh, or they'll, they can either opt in or opt out. It depends upon the kind of a case it is. Uh, but they can agree that you uh, will represent them in court and that they would be bound by any uh, judgment or settlement uh, that happens in the case that you bring. So in essence, they would give up their rights to pursue an individual claim, which they would always have, uh, but uh, uh, and agree to be bound by whatever happens in the class action. But in order to get uh, the uh, permission to uh, uh, proceed in that fashion, you have to get the judge to agree uh, that it can proceed as a class action, and he has to certify it. So certification is actually a, a something that the judge does, and he looks at the various factors and the evidence that are pre is presented to him about why the case should be certified and why a single person should be able to represent many. And uh, in our particular case, we uh, were able to satisfy the certification requirements uh, on certain claims and other claims we weren't able to. So, okay, so I got you. So, okay, so, so, so for instance, the CR England case, you have these two drivers, Roberts and McKay, and they're actually, so they're just representing uh, on behalf of what the other 11,000? Is that what it was? Well, we're not quite sure. Uh, it's a minimum of about 14,000, and uh, wow. that is—it's it, probably going to grow from there. So, we're we're in the process now of developing a notice for court 
approval and getting the final uh, information together about how many people uh, will be in the class. And of course, that comes from uh, CR England's records. They know who uh, who the lease drivers were. We don't know them all. Right. Right. Well, how? Um, I, I wanted to just you know. Go ahead. Well, when I was first. Uh, 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 looking at this case way back in 2011, I think that's when I first reached out to you. And your uh, book and your chapter, uh, is, uh, Truth and Trucking or Truth About Trucking, was incredibly valuable to me in in getting uh, an understanding of what these lease programs were about. And uh, hmm. uh, it, without that resource, uh, and, and that's a, a valuable resource I think any of your readers or listeners uh, should take advantage of before, you know, signing up for a lease driver program. Of course, we can talk about some of the, the other issues today, but uh, I think that uh, the, the job that you did in the background is, uh, was very impressive and very helpful to us in prosecuting our case. Oh, well, thanks. I tell you, when I wrote that, it, I just wrote it in very simple terms because my main target at the time was just the newcomers to the industry that didn't know anything about, you know, trucking or anything. And and I speak from experience because I was I was in one of these lease things and and it was t it, it 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 was rough. But I I I tell you, let's just start with um, how did just walk us through the thing. CR England case. How'd you get involved in it? Uh, you know, the if you will, just showing some of the causes of action and and uh, just what you yourself and your firm has learned about these uh, truck leasing, uh, you know, things from these motor carriers. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I always use the word scam. I'm trying to come up with something else, but that's kind of the what how it is. Now, I mean, there are good lease companies out there and motor carriers that don't do all this, but. Uh, you know, I've always talked a lot about what I call the starter companies, and but just walk us through the CR England case. How to, how did you get all involved? How long you been in it? And uh, just kind of walk us through it. So let's see what's going on. Sure. Uh, well, Mr. Roberts uh, came to my office. Uh, he uh, was a Santa Rosa resident, which is Northern California. My office is in San Rafael, California, which is about uh, 20 miles north of San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, he uh, he was a referral from another lawyer, and uh, came into my office, and I wasn't really sure what he had. Uh, he told me uh, that uh, he had uh, signed up for uh, CR England's training program. Uh, their I think it was called their Premier Driving School uh, down in Fontana, California, and that he was promised uh, a job, a guaranteed employee company driver job when he got in and uh, so he they bought him a bus ticket and he went down on the bus to, to his training and uh, of course you take the physical and you go through and learn how to the, the initial part of it is learning how to be a driver and get your CDL and he went through that that process but you know while he was down there they started hitting him with uh, the lease program and how much better it was than uh, the company driver position, and that people would be crazy to be company drivers when this great lease opportunity was available to them. So right. he uh, uh, so he went out on the road, he did his training, and then he 
went to uh, went to uh, Salt Lake City, where, where most CR England drivers are uh, are deposited after they've been through the uh, the phase one and phase two training, uh, where they're put with another either lease driver or company driver. And uh, uh, he was ready to sign up as a company driver, and was told that there were no uh, company positions available. And he said, well, you promised me a job. And, and they said, well, we don't have any company trucks available. And if you want to, to be a company driver, you're going to have to wait. And we don't know how long you're going to have to wait. And the the living conditions at the uh, the uh, CR England Hotel uh, were uh, really not good. They were crowded into a room. They weren't all that sanitary. Uh, according to the drivers, uh, the food wasn't good, and there were there were many problems with it. So um, he finally, you know, broke down and and uh, felt like he had no other choice and signed up under the lease program. And uh, once on the road, uh, you know, the the miles were not anywhere near what was advertised in the CR England materials and business guide, and uh, the. Uh, uh, the the income just it wasn't there, and in fact, many weeks he would end up owing uh, right. CR England money on his settlement statements. Uh, he lived on uh, ramen noodles and tuna fish, and uh, that was his basic story. And I, I reviewed his settlement statements. I reviewed some of the uh, various uh, materials, the England Business Guide that he had. Uh, some of the advertisements that were currently available on the uh, uh, on the uh, web, the CR England website, and various uh, job websites where England was, you know, at the time they were um, uh, advertising that drivers could make anywhere from forty-five to seventy-five thousand dollars. Lease operators were averaging three thousand miles per week as solos and fifty-five hundred miles per week as a team. And you know it was uh, it was uh, very suspicious to me, uh, and certainly Mr. Roberts' miles and income didn't match anything that resembled what was being advertised. So uh, that began the investigation. Uh, I you know began to look on the uh, online forums and determined that there were many many drivers who had driven for England that. Uh, had the same stories, not enough miles, low income, expenses too high. Uh, and uh, so that was really the genesis of the of the case and mm-hmm. how it got started. So, And there, there is a high, – hi, Rob, this is Donna. Um, there's a thing about uh, kind of a controversy about Horizon, the truck lease, company and CR England and they the, the drivers pretty much said they were all in cahoots together but um CR England had said no we're we're not really I mean how did how did that work out Well it turned out that Horizon with the formal name of, of Horizon was called Opportunity Leasing and mm-hmm. they did business as a as a company uh, called uh, Horizon Truck Sales and Leasing, and they were located in uh, the uh, CR England Salt Lake City facility, and they also had offices at uh, CR England's uh, Burns Harbor, Indiana facility. 
which is where all the drivers would come through after their training and, and go through the upgrade. And uh, they, it was a company that turned out it was owned by the England family. So they were right. uh, all under the same uh, umbrella. Okay. Um, you know, this last paragraph um, uh, on the, on the what, what do you call this document? A memorandum or a decision order? Well, I'm not order? sure which... I'm not sure what you're referring to. Are you referring to the what the judge wrote? Yeah, the 116-page one. Yeah, well, that's uh, the judge's opinion. It's the the motion or the uh, uh, decision granting class certification. Okay. We didn't write this. This is what the judge wrote. Right, but I really wasn't sure what to call it. It says it's a memorandum yeah. decision or in order. So we've kind of been like calling it that. Um, but the final paragraph before. Uh, it says, after careful consideration of the pleadings, the parties' extensive briefing and post-hearing submissions, the record developed, and the arguments presented by counsel, the court grants defendants, which would be C.R. England, motion for judgment on the pleadings, de- denies defendants motion for summary judgment, and grants in part and denies in part plaintiffs, which is the driver's, motion for class certification. Can you explain that last paragraph, what's being granted, what's being um, the judgment and and all this? Yes, I can. Uh, I was trying to locate that. Um, It's on the first. um, It's on the second page, just the paragraph right above table of contents. Oh, okay. All right, let me see. The um, so not every claim that we uh, that we brought was uh, certified as a class action. In fact, uh, C.R. England uh, moved for a uh, for a judgment on the pleadings, which is they they moved uh, to get rid of uh, certain of our claims uh, as a matter of law and. Um, one of those claims was what's called a, uh, the uh, it's a federal racketeering uh, statute that was initially uh, designed to go after organized crime, but it had civil provisions where if you meet if you could meet the uh, various definitions of an of operating an enterprise and and engaging in conduct that was fraudulent, for example, sending. Uh, fraudulent uh, materials through the U.S. mails or over the U.S. wires, uh, that uh, uh, there are organizations that are in business that can be uh, categorized as uh, uh, racketeering enterprises. And the judge uh, in this case uh, found that we had not met the standard for um, uh, alleging an enterprise with the England uh, a variety of companies. So we were not in, uh, able to pursue a racketeering uh, claim against uh, CR England, and for that reason, uh, the judge granted England's uh, uh, motion for a judgment on the pleadings, uh, and uh, he also granted a, a motion for a, a partial summary judgment. I think that was on the uh, essentially the same claim. Okay, because that was one of our other uh, questions, wasn't it, Alan, about the RICO Act? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it was in there. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering if, if, if they got called on that, but you're saying no, they did not. They did not. Uh, so the RICO claim was essentially uh, directed toward establishing that the the England company and the uh, Horizon uh, company were an enterprise uh, that was engaged in fraudulent conduct. And uh, there are certain standards that have to be met under the RICO statute. It's quite a, a, a very powerful statute, but it's there are certain standards that have to be met. And the judge found that uh, although it was a close call, we didn't meet them in this case. And uh, that is uh, something that would have given us uh, some additional ammunition to, to have against right. uh, England. Right. But the claims that we did get certified are, are quite satisfactory in terms of the remedies that are available. So they're very similar remedies that would have been available uh, under the RICO statute, although we don't get what are called treble damages. So. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, because, I mean, we, we've, we've read through this, um, and this is actually, from what I've heard, this is a very lengthy uh you know, memorandum or decision order um, that they usually are like five or six pages. This is 116 pages. So, um. the judge <laughs> had this uh, this under consideration. Well, we filed a, a very extensive uh, uh, motion and evidentiary record. We had many thousands of pages of evidence that we submitted uh, in support of this uh, in support of this motion. And he had it under consideration for two and a half years before before uh, reaching or, or rendering and, and putting out this decision. So it was quite a long time. He waited through. He gave it very careful consideration, and this is this was the result. Well, listen. Let me. Uh, I was just sitting here listening, and I'm trying to. Uh, label all the listeners online i just i just looked over there there's yeah, a bunch of them <laughs> yeah i can't get to them all but uh rob let's take a few phone calls here so they're not holding on because a lot of these you know a lot of these uh listeners are drivers and they're running down the road let's grab a caller here uh from tennessee then we'll go to texas but area code uh 901 uh go ahead you're on the show appreciate it good evening folks uh question how much of an impact does misclassification of employment have on this whole scheme? Because we see that a lot in business now, uh, where they claim that they're independent contractors, and we all know they're actually employees. Uh, right. And the other, my other question would be, when are we going to get Prime out of Spring out of uh, Missouri? And they they got a scheme that's been going on. Alan would know this way back to a previous generation. In my book, they're the most outstanding uh, criminal in this whole criminal scheme that is uh, very prevalent in the industry today. Those are great. Uh, two very great questions. Thank you uh, for those. Um, addressing the first one first, uh, misclassification of employment. That that is um, that that's an interesting uh, area of the law. Uh, it is uh, an area of the law that that comes into play when uh, when uh, dealing with lease driver programs, 
and it was uh, it, it, we took a different approach in our in our case, um, but uh, uh, under the misclassification theory, you can get uh, employee benefits, and, and you can take advantage of employee. Uh, laws that govern the employment relationship. So, for example, the Fair Labor Standards Act is a federal statute that requires that employers pay the minimum wage and employees receive the minimum wage for all the hours that they've worked. And uh, so, for example, in cases where if this is a an employment relationship, which uh, I, I think there are many good arguments that uh, many lease programs are. Uh, the federal statute has its own definition of employment that's been interpreted by the courts, and uh, essentially it comes down to: Do you have the right to control the manner and the means of the of the work that's being done? Uh, are is the uh, alleged employee integrated into the uh, into the system in, a, in the in the fashion that a uh, that an employee would? Uh, can the employee or independent contractor make their own decisions? Uh, are they free to, you know, turn down loads, or, you know, do they have to uh, mandatorily engage in other services on behalf of the employer? So, um, but the remedies, and there are state law uh, uh, provisions. Not every state has a minimum wage statute. Not every state has other employment laws. Some just rely upon uh, the federal statutes for the minimum standards. But there are other states like California that have a variety of employment uh, protections that are offered to uh, to employees or misclassified independent contractors, uh, such as uh, 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 a higher minimum wage, uh, meal and rest break periods that have to be extended to employees, otherwise there are penalties. Uh, some states even have, like California, have uh, statutes that say the employers have to pay all the reasonable and necessary business expenses in uh, uh, for their employees. There was a case not that long ago uh, at the trial court level involving truck drivers who were leased drivers uh, who had been found to be misclassified, and the court ordered the uh, the employer to actually pay them back for all the lease payments that they had made. So these uh, handful of drivers got over $100,000 awarded to them. Now, I don't know whether that case was appealed or not, but certainly that was a resounding victory at the trial court level uh, on uh, on the issue of whether they were entitled to get their expenses back, their lease payments, and I think they got their fuel back as well, and maybe some other expenses, Qualcomm and the like. Um, so, uh, but under the Fair Labor Standards Act, um, your remedies are, you know, the difference between what you made and what you um, uh, uh, what what you would have earned earning the minimum wage. So, some weeks it may be you may get something; other weeks you may not, depending upon what your settlement shows and how many hours you worked that week. So. Um, uh, I think that dealt with your misclassification of employment uh, issue. There is a uh, there is a bill coming up, by the way, uh, where uh, the uh, trucking lobby and trucking companies have inserted a inserted a uh, a provision in a spending bill where the uh, uh, the 
states are not going to have the liberty, uh, if it passes, states are not going to have the liberty of, of uh, offering employment protections to uh, drivers. They're going to find, or the, 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 the law is that the, uh, the federal act that governs truck drivers is going, is going to preempt contrary state laws. Uh, that's exactly. yeah. Yes, yeah. that's the thud bill yeah. uh, that's presently going on. And um, actually, um, uh, Craig Ackerman was on a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about it, and it's exactly that, to preempt state uh, laws. So um, if you go on Ask the Trucker, um, we've got all kinds of things uh, we're, we're fighting that because what that would pretty much do is uh, no matter how many hours you work, and which right now, you know, drivers, a lot of them work 30 hours or more a week, um, you know, detention pay, they don't get that. Well, this would actually make it so that the companies wouldn't ever have to pay anything more than your cents per mile. So... Um, yeah, that that's a that's a big thing right now that we're um, gathering the industry together. And um, Alan's got a great video out. As a matter of fact, um, we're going to be putting out a big. Um, I'm I'm in charge of the social media, so I take his video and and um, and write and articles and and put them out on social media and get other people to retweet them because it needs to be um, to be spread virally to get people aware because so many drivers just have no idea that this is about to hit them and it would have the same effect as um as the exemption the exemption in the um for overtime uh in the um uh, FLSA does only this would be listen you get paid for the miles you you drive and any other work you do is free, and that pretty much is what it says. So, um, yeah, we're pretty. Yeah, that was just that was just in our last show. So, did that? Uh, hey, Jerry, did that answer uh, your questions? Uh, there was actually, yeah, yeah uh, Alan, I uh, think he had one additional question about Prime. Okay. And uh, I've actually I had a, a client or a potential client who came to me about Prime uh, at some point in time. And I looked at their contract, their lease agreement, and their uh, ICOA, I call it the Independent Contractor Operating Agreement, and both of those agreements had uh, arbitration clauses in them. And uh, the, the arbitration clauses are very difficult to, uh, to break out of, and many of them don't permit you to proceed as a class action. So your claims are very limited. Uh, I mean, not that you don't have a case, but it's difficult for um, for attorneys uh, to do these small cases on a one-off basis. That, you mm -hmm. know, it, we, as lawyers, we you know we also have businesses to run, and sure. uh, uh, so you know certainly it's feasible for clients to uh, uh, to to do those claims themselves if they're motivated and to get maybe some behind-the-scenes kind of help. Uh, but um, uh, on those, t those types of claims, it's, it's a challenge uh, in finding legal representation because of the, uh, the ban on class actions 
and the Supreme Court has not been very friendly to uh, to folks that have been uh, trying to uh, advance and advocate that these types of bans are are unfair, especially when you have small claims and folks that mm -hmm. don't have um, resources to prosecute it. I'm not surprised. Um, so you're, uh, a very smart Do what, Jerry? Say that again. I'm not surprised that Robert Lowe is a very smart crook. Who is that? He's the owner of Ron, Robert Lowe. Oh, okay. Um, I guess they have uh, leases also. Oh, that, that's that's the master. That's the uh, if you if you could say it, that has been the model of what we're talking about luring drivers, and that goes back to the old Midwestern distribution in Fort Scott, Kansas, what we used to call the dollar truck. Way back into the '60s, he had that scam running. So he's been at a long time, never got caught. But this is kind of the model of the least perfect. Well, bring somebody into school, put them through the school, and uh, uh, I know people have been there, a friend of mine went through the whole program, but we've known them for years. So that's probably why he never got caught. He's, he's a pretty, pretty sharp crook. So but that answers the question. Let's get on. Let's see what else we can learn here. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, they um... – and, and Rob, that's kind of what the same same story over and over to here. I mean, because these uh, these two plaintiffs, they they didn't have any experience in trucking. They they and they, I I guess from what I read, they nothing was said to them about the high turnover rate or anything. And and then they get them in there for company drivers. And then of course there's no there's no company driver positions available. And so basically. I mean, and we hear the story all the time. We've been hearing it for decades, just like Jerry mentioned. I mean, so they, they, they get the newcomers in here who have no idea what they're getting into, and they push them into a truck lease and, and put them out. And it's, uh, it, 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 for the largest part, it's pretty devastating to them financially. I know when I did my survey in 2011, there was an independent uh, accounting firm that looked into this thing and uh that's where I came up with the 83% failure rate for these truck leases. That 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 came from them, and I don't know what it is now, but I would I would guess it's probably 70, 75%. I wouldn't have any idea, but this this is exactly the same thing that your your plaintiffs uh, are alleging and and went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean I, we have our uh, we have a website. Uh, it's www.crenglandclassaction.com. We have a number of documents on the website. Uh, one of those includes our the initial complaint that we filed, and as, as exhibits to that complaint, there are advertisements for CR England Trucking School, and they were all over the website: Employment Guide, Monster, uh, various uh, things. And for right. example, I'm just looking at one now. It says CR England Truck Driving School is looking for dedicated individuals to attend truck driving schools with a guaranteed job upon completion. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, and there there are just many of those. So, you know, what oh, yeah. I mean, guaranteed job and then, you know, they they you know, oh, there's no jobs available once you complete the training, but you can do much better in the lease program. In fact, right. you, you know, you, you will. So, it, you're right. It was a 
it was a big uh, bait and switch in our view. And, and, uh, and, and I it, think it, other other carriers have done that as well. Oh yeah, the, I mean I refer to them as the starter companies, and then and of course there's you know there are drivers who do well with it, but for the large part, uh, no, no, it, it runs them financially. It's been going on for a long time. Hey, uh, hey Jerry, I'll leave your I'll leave your line open if you want to jump back in here as we go along. Let's go to um, mm-hmm. Texas area code two one zero. Welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, everybody. This is Jeff. Long time no here. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? How, hi, Jeff. Oh, hey, I'm the most uh, controversial person on earth. I'm still out here having fun, though. But anyway, I uh, just to get to my point, um, yeah, I've actually trained a few limited experience drivers that came from lease purchase programs and heard the horror stories about how they would uh, turn 3,000 miles a week, but yet after all their expenses were deducted out of their settlement checks, they would end up with maybe a check of uh, 5 or $10, I mean, it's which is absurd. I mean, but I do want to take a moment to thank your guests that you have on for uh, going after uh, Fear of England. But one thing I would like to mention is the importance of uh, somehow reaching the right people that are coming into this industry that may not know any better. That way they'll uh, be, uh, have the wisdom to not pursue such a program to begin with. I mean, I know I try to do it on my own whenever I can, but obviously it's going to take a lot of us experienced drivers out here that know better to try to discourage them from going that route. I mean, uh, a lot of these people may have families they're trying to support, and then, of course, uh, when they, uh, like you say, they get offered a job, but then, uh, of course, when they go the lease purchase route, they uh, don't have any benefits like medical or dental for their family. They don't have paid vacations uh, like the job promised them or any of that stuff. All that goes out the window when you do a lease purchase to become any, any form of an independent contractor. All that goes out the window. So I just uh, do hope that this reaches the right audience to where people will uh, – will uh, know what they're getting into. I'm thinking if enough people uh, do not do the lease purchase programs, maybe companies will quit offering it as a lure to try to get people in. I mean, it might sound good to make, if they'll try to promise you the moon like eighty dollars to $100,000 or whatever a year, which sounds like a lot of money, but by the time your operating expenses are paid, you're lucky to make, what, ten, fifteen thousand 15000 if you're lucky or even that much? I mean, yeah, you're lucky right. you don't have well, to pay them. Uh, that which reminds me, Jeff, um, yes. When we first started out, we I don't know if you uh, got to hear the beginning of the show, but Alan had included um, a chapter in his uh, book in 2000, um, he put it out, and it was about yeah. the truck lease, and, and Rob was saying how, you know, it, it really, he, he, he read it, and, and he really in, enjoyed it, and I guess it was an eye-opener for him, too, so that was his goal to try to, um, you know, inform the new people in the industries. But what happens was, and we were going to talk about this tonight, is even when people hear it, and and this is crazy, but even when you tell them and you you send them the book, and they and they and they read it, and you tell them don't do it, and even if they talk, go on the forums, and people tell them don't do it. They still do it, and Bingo. and I'll never forget. I'll never forget this one letter. Actually, it came uh, in in the PO box. It was handwritten, and Alan, I don't know if you remember it. It was like year one when we started, and <clears throat> this guy said, "I should have listened to you," 
and he went in on the whole spiel of what happened uh, to him or everything he lost. But this is the part that I don't understand is even when when they hear this, they can read the article uh, about, you know, um, the judge and the, the, the class action and everything and everything that they did. And yet, for some reason, they think they can make it work. And and this is the part that I don't understand. And I don't know, yeah, I don't Alan, I mean. I don't understand it either. Because. I don't understand it either. Yeah, I have a. Well, I got many of those. I got a lot of emails because I would get, Rob, I would get, in a, I would get emails from, because my main focus was really the newcomers, you know. I wanted to try to help the ones coming in that didn't know anything about trucking. And, and uh, uh, some of them would get upset. They would write me. They'd email me and say I didn't know what I was talking about and that they knew how to run a business and that, that it wouldn't happen to them. And, and so I would just tell them, you know, you know, hey, do what you want to do, you know, just, you know, just make sure you follow up with me and let me know how it goes. And some of them, a lot of them did. And most most of the time my emails came back, it was like the same thing, you know. Hey, everything you said would happen, Alan, happened. So, well, here, but, but it's fascinating, like Donna says, because have, have you have you gotten any research on that, Rob? What do you think? What, what keeps, even if, you can lay it all out for them, and you hear from veteran drivers like Jeff and Jerry and, and these guys that's been trucking for a long, long time. They know the ropes. Even when these guys share this information, they, they still do it. Have you done any research on that, or what, what's your thoughts on what keeps bringing the – is it just playing on their dreams? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, th- this is not a unique situation to uh, truck driving. I represent a lot of franchisees who are folks that are in similar situations. They've been uh, maybe downsized by their jobs or uh, aspire to uh, lift themselves up economically and are, are told a, a story uh, or given a sales pitch that a particular system or franchise, in this case it's at least truck driving opportunity, uh, is that uh, step that can be taken to elevate themselves and improve their situation for their families and for themselves. And and uh, everybody wants that. They want to, to be able to be sure. uh, a good provider, uh, to make a good income, to have independence. I mean, that's kind of entrepreneurship is the uh, is the American dream, right. and so these uh, these folks that sell these programs are very sophisticated. They understand the message that uh, appeals to people. Uh, they know what to tell them. They know what they must conceal from them uh, in order for somebody to to uh, be you know uh, come on board with this kind of a program. So it's not just truck driving. I see it all the time in franchising. It's astonishing to me. And the, you know, there with the lease programs, it's a fairly low cost of entry, right? You don't have to pay right. a lot of money up front. Uh, they'll sign you up for nothing, essentially. Right. But in franchising, people have to come out of pocket, you know, fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, and then they you know, they have to build out a location. They have to usually borrow money. They've got to sign long-term 
uh, commercial leases, which are very difficult to break out of. And they make all of these investments based upon the sales pitch and the emotion. And it's astonishing to me, but it happens all the time, that folks do not want to spend you know, a few thousand dollars uh, on a lawyer or, a, uh, or an accountant or some professional advisor to actually help them understand what they're getting into. And uh, the controls in franchising are very similar uh, to the controls that are exercised in lease uh, lease purchases. They can control your pricing. Yeah. They can, you know, so there there are many uh, many aspects that this is similar to. And in fact, this case was initially brought in California as a franchise law case. Uh, that was part of it, and uh, the the judge here didn't didn't buy my arguments, which is, you know, that happens sometimes, but. Right. That's how you originally um, represented. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Mention, guys, yeah, one thing I wanted to mention is that we, uh, I'm not going to mention the name of the carrier, but there's one in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, a very large carrier that we probably all know who they are. Um, they're uh, bad about uh, superimposing signatures on uh, pages of a lease contract that uh, people don't even have the opportunity to read and understand what's in them. And as I would tell any newcomer to the industry that's even thinking about doing this program, like your uh, guest said, have an attorney uh, go over the, uh, the co- entire contract with you. I mean, if you don't understand the legal legalese, have them do it. I mean, I've actually read those contracts myself for other people, and uh, it's amazing how uh, a lot of stuff gets overlooked. They just get excited. They see that pretty truck that they want to drive, and uh, they don't think anything about the uh, legal ramifications in that contract that can work against them. I mean, these programs are uh are set up to where uh the only people that are going to benefit is the uh company that uh, is leasing the driver of the truck and uh that uh, the company's not going to fail in this contract it's only going to be the driver well you know that brings up another point and tell me if you've heard this rob that uh many times uh the uh, the driver isn't allowed to take a copy of the lease with them to have someone look at it. Is is this true? Is this the case? I mean, I've heard this. Alan, have you I, heard that? Oh, yeah, I've heard it many times. Yeah, I, I've heard that, too, uh, as well. And then uh, I think more recently the, uh, uh, the, the schools and the companies are having them sign these things online. So you're in front of a screen. Yeah. They don't even give you a written copy. Well, I'd like mm-hmm. to ask, ask a question here. Sure. Uh, and I and I understand, Rob, what you were saying about you have a business to run too. So we'd have to look at is there any profitability in it or not. Uh, it, it occurs to me that a lot of the drivers do read these magazines and then Trucker's News every month, Landline Magazine, Overdrive. Is there a, would there be enough for there to be a business here or some kind of fee? Where you'd actually run an advertisement that, uh, and maybe it could be dispersed among uh, attorneys or something. You know, the fellows, the folks just getting into it, they're looking for a start, maybe an opportunity, because a lot of it's just a violation of the basic contract law, also. That you'd be advertising, and the big thing would we will uh, look over whatever the legal term would be, lease agreement programs, so on and so forth. Because right now, maybe a lot of drivers don't exercise that wisdom, so to say, 
because they wouldn't know where to go to start with. Let's give them a place where to go. Well, yeah, I suppose that that is a uh, that that's certainly a possibility in terms of uh, uh, you know attorney advertising. I mean, there are certain regulations, but I don't think just a generic advertisement saying we'll review your lease, you know, before you lease, you know, please, you know, have have an attorney or or this firm look at look at your lease before you sign up. Yeah, certainly that's a possibility. Yeah. If, yeah, if they if let you them, ask me right now, yeah. If well, if they don't let them, that would be somehow you could maybe communicate on the advertisement. If you've been denied the mm-hmm. uh, the right to have a lease, that's by, that may be a violation of the. Uh, well, that's the huge red flag right there. Okay, if if, if yeah, somebody doesn't let you take the lease to have somebody else look at it, oh, and they say you can't, right then and there, that's your red flag. That may be a violation. You know, you have a uh, federal leasing act. Uh, what is it we have in trucking? Uh, yeah, there's guys, a truth. Todd Spencer. Yeah, yeah truth, truth and leasing. Yeah. 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 I don't know what the there may be some timing requirements in the Truth and Leasing Act. If there aren't, there should be. I, I'd have to look at it. Uh, one of the uh, angles that we took in the C.R. England case was that this was a uh, this was a business opportunity that was sold. There, certain states have business opportunity statutes, and there are um, there are certain criteria that have to be met. But uh, uh, we, uh, I think we were able, we got certified on it, and I don't know that uh, at the end of the day whether we'll win on that claim or not. But uh, if you meet the test of a business opportunity, then the uh, company who's offering the business opportunity to you has to register it, depending upon the state law, and they have to provide you a disclosure a certain amount of days in advance of uh, of uh, uh, signing you up. So there's like a window, uh, a cooling off period before you actually have to sign where you can look at the contract and you can look at the various items of disclosure that have to be made. And those it might be, uh, you know, uh, we've sold so many business opportunities. Uh, you know, the, we're advertising that uh, you can make so much money of the number of uh, business opportunities we've sold. Uh, this percentage has actually achieved that that uh, income. Uh, so there there are uh, avenues out there for that kind of a um, uh, to challenge a practice where. They're not giving you an advanced copy of the contract. Yes. Well, you know, I'll another thing we're fighting too, it occurs to me that actually in the driver training schools many times now, the drivers are being specifically told do not talk to the older drivers because they will discourage you. So that's how we cannot influence them because they've been trained uh, throughout the whole program, stay away from the older drivers. They're going to do nothing but discourage you. So they have that kind of mental force built up before even they even get their CDL. So therefore, they're less likely to listen to us. Yeah, we we had uh, evidence of that in our CR England case as well. I think some of that may have made its way into the judge's opinion, but certainly. 
the uh, uh, the drivers, the, the trainees were told to stay away from quote unquote negative people, mm-hmm. and and the trainers were also, uh, you know, who knows that the trainers were oftentimes you know folks that had just gotten into the leasing program themselves and found themselves as trainers, not not even really qualified to be trainers, but they needed they needed a second seat so they could actually run more miles, but they were also uh, oftentimes instructed to uh, uh, you know not not disclose the the you know the real what they may have observed as the real truth about the leasing programs and to just keep keep it to themselves Rob, well and it just occurred to me yeah uh, something just occurred to me back at prime <clears throat> Even the most genius crooks usually leave a hole open somewhere. The way that works there, you go to that school, they put you on a truck, they put you through a training program, you're riding with a trainer. Now, this seems odd to me. One of my very best friends explained this to me. So here he is now. He's a so-called lease operator. So they put a trainee with him out of the prime class. Then he... He pays for half the trainee's uh, salary, and Primus says, well, Arnold, who's paying the workers' comp? Who's paying the Social Security? He didn't even know. So there's another level going on there, and that goes maybe to the Warner case right now. There's going to be 50000 in that class because they're underpaid <clears throat> as far as like a salary or something goes during your training period, and that's been uh, a certified class action that will involve 50,000 drivers. So here's a lease operator prime who's having to pay the trainee out of his settlement, and then somehow prime pays some of it. But when I asked the question was, are you paying a 1099? He didn't even know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Now, it's interesting, and I, I believe that England runs a similar situation to that, too. Um, did you say that there was a class action that was certified? Yes, uh, Warner, there's a certified class action now that could involve up to 50,000 drivers because Warner put them on some kind of salary during their training. But it turns out for the, for the hours that they worked, the, the salary was way underpaid from minimum wage. So I don't know all the details yet. It's just come crashing out the other day. But there's yeah. up to 50,000 involved in that scam. No, I, it's I, all I, it's I, all catching up to them. Yeah, um, uh, you're right. I mean, there, there's a lot of litigation in the trucking industry right now, and there's probably going to be a lot more. It's going to continue for uh, for a long time uh, because of the uh, because of the abuses that we're talking about. And it is, and it, and that's why they're trying to get that, uh, what is it, HR nine eight five passed, which would uh, make it much tougher to do a class action. Um, uh, we're, we're we're probably going to be, you know, talking about that too. One thing I, I noticed a lot of people, I I went and snuck and looked at the the switchboard, and there's a whole bunch of people on there, and. Just so you know, if you want to be a part of the show, uh, you need to uh, click one on your keypad, and that puts on a little alert on 
<clears throat> that lets us know that, you know, that you want to be a part. If you're listening on the Internet and you want to be a part of the show, you can dial in 347-826-9170 and then click one on your keypad uh, for that um, alert. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to uh, bring up, we we spoke about what makes people, you know, even after you tell them, uh, you know, don't do it, don't do it, and they figure, well, what do I have to lose? There's no down payment, okay? Because you probably heard in our opening, you know, we've had we've been um, recommending Lone Mountain Truck Leasing for I don't know, it seems like forever now since we got started. Uh, because of the um, simple and honest lease uh, that they do. But you do need a down payment. And anyone, and um, I noticed, Jeff, you wrote this, you need to have, you know, if you're going to go into this as a business, you should have some money saved because you're going you're gonna to need it for other things and as well as a down payment. It's just part of a, a business plan. And, I mean, when we had um, Joe on the show of Lone Mountain, I mean, you know, he pretty much confirmed that, you know, that this is a business you're doing. A, a new driver has no right. They, they're just learning how to drive, how to, well, you know, be an owner-operator. Uh, you know, when, when they're just learning the ropes, let alone, you know, running a business and, and the whole thing. So... Well, to touch on what you're talking about, uh, I would like to mention that uh, a lot of times when you know, your you know, driver might be leasing a truck or even buying one, they'll try to sell them on a brand-new truck and the warranty. But one thing that people don't consider when it comes to the warranty is uh, the warranty is not going to cover your uh, downtime lost revenue. It's not going to cover your hotel rooms while you're down. It's not going to cover your food. And also, guess what? You're still going to have a truck payment while that truck is in the shop. And uh, your other bills are not going to stop either. So uh, now on top of that, warranty work at deer shifts is often put on the back burner in favor of the better paying cash jobs that are not covered by warranty. So that's something uh, for a lot of people need to take into consideration. Uh, you know, just because that truck is brand new doesn't mean it's not going to break down. In fact, I see brand new trucks breaking down left and right, especially these newer ones with all the emissions garbage on, which is another topic of into itself. But uh in all reality, you know, people need to understand the reality of this. If they're going to buy or lease a truck. Uh, that way they won't get themselves in. I mean, because imagine how much uh, it would hurt you if you had uh, one week or two weeks with the downtime. Or if, uh, like in some cases, I know a guy that uh, leased a truck, and his truck was down for a month and a week, five weeks that is, because they had to put an entire new engine in his truck under warranty. But during that time, him and his wife ran out of money. They uh, depleted their savings accounts. He had 401k savings from a previous job. That went out the window plus the 40% IRS penalty that was levied upon them. So there's just a number of uh, bad scenarios that can happen. So it's just, uh, you know, all I can say is think about what the hell you're getting into. But anyway, I need to get going for now. You guys have a great evening. Everyone be careful out there. All right. All right, Jeff. Hey, you too. And good good to hear from you again. And I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I have a question that came in, um, Rob, and it's um, it's from Desiree, um, and I guess you had spoken to her uh, a long time ago, also. She's driving I right did. now, right? So she couldn't talk. And her question came in. It says, "Lots of feedback on Facebook from drivers um, is not only that they pray CR England finally gets what is coming to them, 
but how many other carriers are doing the same thing on a smaller scale and despite past lawsuits and settlement agreements, the companies do not change their pattern of practice. How can we make sure these companies, especially CR England, stop doing these one-sided scams in the future? And that's the question. Well, I mean, there there are a couple of ways, I guess, that are uh, that are available to folks. One is they can uh, they can try to petition uh, Congress or local legislatures to pass laws that that make sure folks are fairly compensated for the work that they do, or um, uh, seek out uh, private attorneys uh, who are familiar with these kinds of cases and and try to hold these folks accountable. I mean, the, the, the problem is that the these lease programs are so very profitable that, uh, you know, you're, uh, it, it's worth it, the cost of defense and all the other, even exposing themselves to judgments. If they get caught, they have to pay a little bit back. And, uh, but uh, overall, it's, that they're such profitable enterprises. Now, if there is um, uh, if there's injunctive relief available, where they have to start making disclosures or um, uh, you know other other types of uh, affirmative actions that they have to take, that is something that can uh, that can be a persuasive uh, antidote to this kind of a, uh, a lease operator program. Uh, or, you know, if the, if a company is hit with damages that are high enough, you know, to force them to have to change the way they do business, and that mm-hmm. that's another possibility. So, well, I mean, it just it, it, this is like I said in the beginning of the show. This is this is one of my biggest pet peeves of this industry because, as far as I'm, <clears throat> these these motor carriers that do this way, I mean, all all it is they're just preying on the people's desperation that's all they're doing and i mean i i saw something i think rob it was in the uh the memorandum i saw somewhere where the plaintiffs in the cr england case for those that were maybe involved in it somehow i mean they were they were running and they were as in, supposedly independent contractors uh but was was only making like 12 cents a mile oh yeah during their yeah. training during the D- training during the training oh yeah, yeah. right right Exactly. So, so to me, I'd like to ask you. Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Because the the answer to stopping this is like Rob said: large enough settlements that'll serve as a deterrent for others that may want to look at. Something just occurred to me: through the attorney network, if possible, I don't know. uh, Let's say one of these independent contractors was involved in a serious or a fatal accident. And let's say the plaintiff's attorneys on the other side that's suing England and the uh, lease operator, by the way, they go after him even though there's nothing there. But uh, is it widely enough known, or does that create another opportunity situation for the plaintiff's attorneys that, first of all, this driver wasn't even legally employed, he was misclassified or whatever, and that uh, he was on the road as part of a a deceptive scheme to start with. Would that make the case stronger and bigger and even more reporting for a plaintiff's attorney in a serious wreck or even a fatality? 
Well, I think as a matter of course, and I don't uh, do any personal injury work myself, but I think as a matter mm-hmm. of course, most uh, most attorneys that uh, specialize in personal injury and in, uh, and I think there are even attorneys that specialize in truck injuries, people that have been mm-hmm. injured by big rig trucks, regardless of whether they're lease operators or not, they are always going to go after the companies that they were driving for. And yeah. and they will establish, if the facts support it, that these folks were misclassified and that uh, as, as, a, as an employer, that company is vicariously liable for for the uh, 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 for the accidents, I'm sure that's a very routine uh, strategy in in the uh, uh, in that area of the law. Okay. All right. Well, listen, <clears throat> Rob. I know you got to be going and everything, but listen, I was uh, I want to make sure we haven't missed something that you specifically wanted to to get across to our listeners. Uh, is there anything that maybe I haven't asked that, have, that we missed or something or something that you specifically want everyone to know or did, have we uh, covered, covered everything pretty much? Well, you know, I would make the observation that if, if you're a driver that's going through a training program or you're a driver that's considering the uh, lease opportunity, to think of it as a three-legged stool. And you have to have all three legs that are fairly solid uh, in order for you to uh, make a go of it as a lease operator. So on one leg, you have miles. On the other leg, you have the pay per mile or whatever the compensation package is. And on the third leg, you've got expenses. And uh, your expenses have to be reasonable. So uh, you, you need to evaluate those three legs to make sure you've got a solid foundation with which to begin your your independent business uh, if you choose to go that way. And the other thing is that you should ask questions about, you know, average. I mean, these the, the drivers, you know, the companies like England, uh, they have data. The, these are data-rich companies. They have f- fabulous databases that and they know exactly how many miles uh, you know, company drivers drive, how many miles independent contractors drive, solo, team. They know how much fuel uh, money you spent. Uh, they know, uh, you know how much time you spent on the road. It's, uh, it's a data-rich environment. So you can ask, uh, you know, how many miles do, does the average driver get? What's the income of the average driver? What's the turnover? How, what's the failure rate? These are all questions that are perfectly appropriate for you to ask. And they may lie to you. Uh, it wouldn't be unheard of, but you never know. You might get the truth. And uh, uh, and so that is uh, something that I would like to uh, uh, implore your readers to, to or your listeners to do. Um, the other thing is that if you uh, were ever a driver for CR England, uh, and uh, you have questions, you might be part of our, our case, and uh, you might have questions or you might have stories that could be helpful as we're prosecuting our case, please visit our website, www.crenglandclassaction.com, and then um, uh, try to make a contact with somebody 
and uh, we're, we're happy to, to get your information and, and perhaps be able to utilize it in, as we prosecute our case. So that is the best way for them to get a hold of you then is through that website, CREnglandClassAction.com? Yes. Okay. Because that was a, another question I was going to ask you. So. Yeah. And well, we I do, have my uh, own website, yeah, too. It's Bolter, B-O-U-L-T-E-R dash L-A-W dot com also. But yeah, and we have a... Either way. We, whoops, where did it go here? We do have um, your links up on the, on the show page, too, too there. So to but I'm going to I'm gonna put that other one up, too. I didn't yeah. know that, and I'll include it... Um, in the article also. Yeah, yeah, we'll add that to that. So, right. so I don't right, know how well, long your show goes. If there are other callers, I'm happy to uh, you know, stay around for a few more minutes and answer some more questions. But Well, there's a lot of people you. listening, but um, like I said, if, if you're on there and you want to, um, you, know, you have a question um, before Rob has to leave, just click one on your keypad, and that will, um, that will definitely alert us that you want to ask a question. Yeah, because right now they're they are all listening, and uh, I okay. haven't even had time. I haven't even had time to uh, to get every. Oh, wait a second. Uh, let me see here. Okay, got got some more coming here. Let me get a. Uh, Around seven o'clock, I noticed um, you get like a a new bunch of people that jump on. Okay, mm-hmm. just right here, uh, right here in the state of Florida, area code five six one. Uh, welcome to the show. Go ahead. Uh, area code five six one in Florida. You're Hello. On the air. Yeah, go ahead. Hi. How are you doing? Hi, it's Desiree. Good. Oh, Desiree. Okay. I, I, I'm actually driving on Interstate eight in California, so I might drop off, but I just wanted to call and and just say thank you so much for sticking. Oops, I'm losing you, Desiree. I think she wanted to, to thank you. Yeah, that that Robert stayed with this case, and some people are going to see some justice. And I'd like to be able to replay it on our Women Truckers Network program, if that's okay. Um, sure. How do you oh, how do you do that? Um. With Blog Talk Radio, you can download the episode and then upload it as a podcast. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. So yeah, keep, yeah keep you can do that. And, and as you know, you can also embed, get the embed code for the player. Right, in a blog post. Yeah. So, yeah, and I encourage yeah. everybody to share it wherever they can to get the word out um, so, so oh, the drivers yeah. are aware of and um, so that was, I just really wanted to make that comment and say thank you so much for sticking with this because I know yeah, you've, you've been, been doing this for a, a long time. I know. It's been like, what, about five years, right? No, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I remember talking to you, Desiree, and, and uh, have uh, great memories of those calls, and your information was very helpful also uh, in uh, developing our case. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. And I want to say one more thing. You know, funny, I got a, an email today from somebody that said, and it's a person that's contacted me several times over the last few months about their fiancé going to CR England, and I just begged them, basically, don't do this, don't do this. And the, the, the fiancé said, well, my fiancé said she won't quit, 
C.R. England, she says that you're negative, but today they called me and said, C.R. England fired her. Do you know any community colleges? So going back to you guys' remarks, why do people proceed when you've, you've told them everything that you can? And I guess it really comes down to who's the best salesperson. And well, it's it just it, – it, it, Rob, Rob was saying before that they have a, a part of their script is don't listen to negativity. Right? Didn't you say that? Yeah. Like, okay. yeah no, that's yeah, true. And, but pe- people want to believe. That's they they yeah, want to believe I mean, that there's a chance. And I and I totally get that because I, you know, I feel you know, well, if I try really hard and I work really hard, then it's going to be different for me. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that, and um, and they know how to tap into that really well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's all I had to say. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Desiree. And and Rob, I want to ask you now: What is your your next step in all this? Um, you know, where do you go from here? You got your class action. Yeah. Now, what happens? Well, the next step is well. First, uh, CR England has appealed uh, to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, or they've uh, actually it's not it's not technically an appeal as of right. Um, but it's a, they're requesting permission uh, from the Court of Appeal, the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals to uh, appeal, and they've asked the court to step in. Um, typically, the courts don't step in on, on these kind of matters uh, until after the case is over, uh, but sometimes they do, and we're not sure how that's going to shake out. We filed our opposition to that um, um, that request, CR England's request uh, to appeal today, or actually we filed it yesterday, and the court will, in in due course, will will rule on that. Usually, it'll be a few months before we we find out one way or another. Uh, but the next step in our ca- in our um, case is going to be uh, getting the notice out, and uh, so that's uh, what's involved in that is essentially. Uh, we have to get a notice plan put together and approved by the court. Uh, since we know everybody's identity, it'll probably be a notice by mail, as opposed to notice, you know, that would be published in various magazines. And mm-hmm. then um, uh, people will have an opportunity to uh, exclude themselves from the class, uh, and that there will be a window of time within which they can submit a uh, a, a request for exclusion. And once that time period has passed, and uh, uh, we know how many people are in and how many people are out, then uh, we proceed to gear up and get ready for a trial. Okay. And what, if if the Tenth um, uh, Circuit Court doesn't take the appeal, and when do you think that trial would take place? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I doubt that it would be in 2017, uh, so sometime in 2018. Oh, okay. It, I'm just trying to see the time frame. Yeah, it takes uh, it takes a period of time. You know, I'm not sure. I have there are a number of other lawyers uh, uh, that are involved uh, on the legal team. There are four mm-hmm. uh, law firms that are representing uh, the plaintiffs in this class action. So uh, we haven't really discussed uh, as of yet the exact uh, uh, date and haven't conferred with the court about a trial date yet. So I'm uh, just curious, what state yeah. is the Tenth Circuit Court in? Court of Appeals. Well, the tenth- uh, Tenth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals sits in Denver, Colorado, and okay. it is uh, the Court of Appeals, the Circuit Court of Appeals over 
uh, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and some other states uh, okay. in that general geographic area. Okay. Just curious, just the way the whole thing just, you know, panned out that we just uh, all saw with the um, uh, with the immigration thing that went through uh, uh, with the with the ban and everything and how uh, Massachusetts had said okay, and I think that was the first circuit court, and then the ninth in Washington said no, you can't. So I think you know you geographically, you know, you just wonder um, uh, about the different courts. So that's just something that crossed my right. mind. Well, the, uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, the uh, Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals is, um, uh, you know, in terms of, I mean, the, their judges come from all uh, edges of the political spectrum in all the circuits. Right. And so you'll find conservative and liberal judges uh, in uh, in a- every circuit. For example, uh, Judge uh, uh, Gorsuch, who is uh, uh uh, President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court is a Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals justice. Um, oh, okay. So, um, uh, or that's judge right. Station. I think right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So. All right. Well, uh, listen, Lee. You have the the link to the CR England site written down, right, Donna? Yes. It's um. It well, it's it's his uh, CR England Class Action dot com. For anybody who has any questions or if they want to get involved in this, uh, if you've worked for CR England, and uh, or if they have a question about uh, another case, right, or uh, just in general, uh, Rob, is that is that a good site yeah. to ask a question? Uh, well, they could uh, actually co- probably contact me directly if they had another case. Uh, my website directly, uh, uh, Bolter Law, dot com. Okay. Would be fine All as right. well. All right. Well, sounds good. Hey, Rob, appreciate you uh, joining us on the Saturday evening, taking some time out. But, and uh, and all the work you've done for yeah. all these years. <laughs> yeah, and it's getting a lot of attention. I know there's a lot of drivers out there that are happy about it because these starter company truck leasing programs, they've, they have run a lot of lives. So we'll have to stay in touch and uh, keep us keep us up to date on how it's going. I will do that, and thank you very much for having me. I hope this was uh, uh, a good session for your listeners as well. Oh yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. Good, good show, and uh, we'll have the embed code going around, just like uh, Desiree said she's going to take it. And most most of the listens actually um, come on the archive. I, I just checked the archive for for Craig's show of two weeks ago, and um, just today he had two hundred and nine listens on the replays yeah. so um it kind of averages two three hundred a day or something like that or it's kind of hard to say depending on the topic <clears throat> but what do you think don yeah no i yeah. that's what i was going to say our, our replays um that's why with desiree uploading it and then we'll put the replays out um it, this should get um a lot of people to and and we need to you know we, we try yeah. to do it with all the articles and uh, the articles go viral and and all like that, but uh, a lot of times people just want to listen. They don't want to read, so we're hoping that this will do it. Yeah, and uh, I, I like the uh, you know the ability to to take the embed code and you can just put it in a website. You can put it in a blog post, and that's not even counting all the listens from that. So 
But, hey, we really appreciate it. And, Donna, you've got some things you want to go over with, right? Oh, yeah, a couple and of so, different announcements, um, especially we were going to talk about that um, H.R. 5394, uh, Section 134, what is it, Federal Authority. So we're going to go over that again for everybody. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back. And so hang with us. We'll be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website site truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. Well, we were just talking about um, the show we had a couple of weeks ago with um, Craig Ackerman, and uh, he was an, he's an attorney who was explaining uh, the effects um, of the F4A if it goes through in Congress, and we just um, found out that uh, the language, which we call it the denim language uh, because it was first introduced in the FAST Act, uh, but it was, but it failed to go through. And what it would do is it would um, preempt states' rights uh, to pay drivers for things like detention time, um, uh, rest breaks, and things like that. But most people know that drivers can spend anywhere from 20 to 40 hours just waiting. And uh, a lot of states uh, ensure that their drivers are paid for things like that. And this, if this goes through Congress, which is, uh, it did, it did go through um, last year. It was passed in the House, HR three five three nine four, Section one thirty four, which is the federal authority, and uh, it's going to be voted on now in uh, in the Senate. So we've got to be really uh, up to date with all this. Um, we've got all kinds of articles and videos out and just share them all around. They're on Ask the Trucker. And bottom line, you need to call your congressman and your senator 
and tell them to vote uh, no on H.R. 5394, Section 134, because what that would do if it did pass, then all these states that do pay, uh, make sure that employers pay their drivers for all their time would no longer have to do that. Um, there's all kinds of articles on, uh, on our website, askthetrucker.com. Uh, they're on Facebook, the YouTube videos. We've kind of got them all over the place. Uh, but most of all, if you really want to understand it, you can listen to the replay uh, of, of Blog Talk Radio. Um, let's see. It was actually three weeks ago. I'm looking at it. And it's called Trucker Wages, the Devastating Effects if Congress Amends F4A. And um, that's... Uh, that's the main thing I wanted to talk about tonight. So we'll be putting out a big campaign on that. Um, the second thing is kind of an, a more uplifting. Um, we've got a month to go before we go on our cruise, and that's going to be the first uh, annual Lady Truck Driver Cruise. It's scheduled for March 26th to April 1st. Um, we're going to be hosting uh, the the welcome party, Alan and I, and Alan's going to be um, teaching a class a self-defense class on the cruise. But I want to let everybody know that there's um, still room available, and I believe there's still a reduced rate. So, um, you know, if you're interested in going, uh, you can just go to um, realwomenintrucking.org and click on the the cruise uh, uh, button in the uh, menu, and, you know, you can find out uh, about your tickets. It's right you know, all the numbers uh, to call up for information and pricing and availability. Uh, It's right on realwomenintrucking.org. Or you can send me um, an email. I have an email address over with them also. Um, It's Donna at realwomenintrucking.org. So um, uh, I just want to go over some of the things that are going. The name of the cruise is the Queen of the Road on the High Seas. And it's going to include workshops, a driver advocacy forum, and an award ceremony to recognize uh, uh, many of the women who have worked very, very hard. That uh, the the winners are already chosen; they just haven't been revealed. And uh, that'll all take place uh, on the ship on the uh, the evening that the award ceremony takes place. But this is a six night cruise that leaves Fort Lauderdale to to the Eastern Caribbean. There's stops at the Grand Turk uh, uh, and Dominican Republic and Nassau. Um, And like I said, we'll be hosting the welcome party, Alan and I. And I just want to mention some of the the great sponsors uh, that that really came to bat for this wonderful uh, event. Uh, the Ruby sponsor for this event is Hallhound, and um, they're, they've been very active in promoting the cruise, and uh, we're very, very uh, proud. And I know Desiree, if, if she was still on the line, she'd be sharing all this, too, because this, this cruise was put on by the Real Women in Trucking organization. The Sapphire, uh, is, the Sapphire um, sponsor is Truckers Insurance Exchange, and... And, and also truckersunited.org is a Sapphire sponsor, so we'd like to thank them. 
and the Emerald sponsors are Trucking Social Media and Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. And the Pearl sponsors are Red Ants Pants, IBI Secured Transport, TruckerToTrucker.com, TCRG Consulting, Dat Trucker's Edge, Great Plains, Eagle Express Lines, and Ackerman Intelligef uh, Attorneys. So um, if you haven't jumped on board uh, to be on this cruise and you've got some time off and you can take a week off, um, we'd love to see you there. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at some of the things that are going on. Driver health and wellness, raffle drawings, uh, lady truck driver roundtable, driver advocate forum, social media. This is really a good one, hands-on social media. So if you want to get your skills strengthened with social media, there's going to be a, a, a an event for that. And then, like I said, Alan's teaching the women's uh, self-defense course. Uh, we're going to, let's see, uh, oh, Jan Shelley of the EEOC. Uh, she's a senior trial attorney um, from the new prime case. She's going to be there. She'll be presenting. Personal safety for women behind the wheel with Christine Gray. And um, we're going to have Ann Bailey, um, bold and brave, and she's going to talk about some of the um, trials of lesbian and tea girls who drive big rigs. And if you remember, um, she was uh, featured in um, which article was that? Was it the um, New York Times? The New York Times. She was featured in an article um, about sweatshops. Um, I, I can't remember. I wish I could remember the the title, but she really got into um, the way the industry, you know, is run and. A lot of you listening know it already, but it's always great to hear that it's in um, uh, such a, a popular journal as the New York Times because you want other people other than just the people in trucking to know everything that goes on in this industry. And uh, that always helps as far as uh, getting support for advocacy. So um, she'll be there also. So that's, um, let's see, March 26th. 6th to April 1st, uh, you want to come on board and just uh, go to realwomenintrucking.org or send me an email, Donna at realwomenintrucking.org. Hey, Donna, that, that article by Ann in New York Times is called Long Haul Sweatshop. Okay, great. Thank you. And that was from Ann Bailey, and she'll be presenting uh, also at the uh, at the event. It's called the Queen of the Road on the High Seas. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, other than that, I think we've covered it. I, I, I think we're probably going to have another follow-up show um, with Craig Ackerman. Uh, again, since this um, FUD bill will be voted on in uh, April in the Senate, it's already passed the House, and we really need a uh, a whole organization of people to contact their senators and um, get this thing stopped, just like we were able to stop it uh, during the FAST Act and the um, F4A reauthorization uh, just uh, uh, in 2016. So, you know, we did it two other times. Let's do it again. And I just want to let everybody know that this is – uh, uh, the ATA's, one of their top two priorities is to make sure that drivers are only going to be paid for their mileage and nothing more. 
So if that doesn't inspire you to uh, get on the phone and tell your senator to vote no on Section 134 in H.R. 5394 in the FUD bill, well, I don't know what will. Uh, Other than that, Alan, I think I've covered everything tonight. It sounds good, and I would encourage others, if there's still time, to join the uh, the cruise by the Real Women in Trucking organization. I thought uh, I thought Jerry, that that uh, that guy with that deep voice, uh, I, I thought he was coming along. Jerry, if you can, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. And anyone else, I'm looking forward to meeting all the uh, Real Women in Trucking on that. It's going to be a great time. And everyone who listened to this broadcast, uh, keep in mind. You know, I, I I still hear from from drivers that you know, well, there's nothing we can really do. That's just how the industry is. But social media has played a major role over the last several years. I mean, it's played a major role in Attorney Craig Ackerman cases. It's played major role in Attorney Rob Bolter cases, as you heard tonight as our special guest. So you can get involved and you can make a difference. Don and I have seen it over the last. Uh, last several years, eight, nine years as we've been doing this. So I'd encourage everyone to get involved, and uh, you can make a difference. And as far as these um, truck leasing programs, as I wrote in Truth About Trucking in 2000, uh, here we have Rob Bolter tonight working on a big case and uh, working to make it better for the newcomers and drivers out there. So, uh, you know, I said then, I'll say now, just stay away from these starter companies' truck leasing programs. They are designed to fail. And uh, if you have more information, we, we will put the uh, the link to the CR England lawsuit uh, up on our, our blog post. You go to com is the first blog post you're going to see. And uh, you can also uh, visit with uh, Attorney Rob Bolter if you have any information. His sites to his links to his site is uh, embedded in the show program so uh other than that hey we appreciate you tuning in thanks again to uh rob bolter for joining us on a saturday evening spending some time with us we appreciate all his hard work and uh he's, he's still going at it so hey until next time just drive safe and hey we're going to leave you with a song tonight from uh tony justice uh if you go to a fellow driver tony justice tonyjusticemusic.com it's Tony along with Aaron Tippin performing Brothers of the Highway. So, hey, until next time, drive safe, everybody, and we will see you next time on Ask the Trucker Live. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening. All right, we're back. Hey, I'm just going I'm sitting here trying to find uh I wanted to play that song and I'm still looking for it. It's here somewhere. There it is. Brothers of the Highway. TonyJusticeMusic.com. Check it out. We'll catch you next time. Diamonds on the windshield is heaven starts to cry. And in his rearview mirror 
His angel ways goodbye She knows he's gonna go She knows he's one of them Brothers of the highway Children of the wind That Detroit diesel fire ship Goes blowing out again Selling toward the setting sun Freedom's their best friend Brothers of the highway The pedal to the metal, tried out or run the ring. Another shot of truck stop coffee as I run in through his veins. This world turns on 18 wheels, thank God we can depend on brothers of the highway, children of the wind. That Detroit diesel fire ship goes blowing out again. Freedom's their best friend Brothers of the highway Children of the wind Carolina West Denver, Baton Rouge East of Pittsburgh Port of South, San Diego Sail on, sail on Tallahassee, North of Boston Up to Bangor West Austin, coast to coast Sailing toward the setting sun, freedom. 